When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Big Tilt, a Roto Underworld player profiler DFS podcast. And I don't know if there's been a more important Big Tilt than we're going to have this time for week 15 on December 17th. I'm your host, Mike Randall. Follow me on Twitter at Randall Rant. I am going to bring in the man who has been pouring over the analytics, the director of analytics here at Player Profiler, Josh Larkey. Follow him on Twitter at JLarkeyTweets because with COVID, and with the game changes, there's been so much variation, but I'm confident, which means you should be confident because we have Josh Larkey. Dr. Larkey, welcome back. Thanks, Mike. This is just, I mean, what a slate. It is not every week that 18% of the slate uh, is actually taken off of the slate and moved because of COVID. So this is, this is going to be a wild one. And qu- funny story before we get going, I'm in an FFPC Superflex Dynasty League. I have a team that I am excited about. However, my second quarterback is Baker Mayfield. So of course that Wednesday night waiver deadline, who do I blow 150 of my $220 <laughs> oh, in remaining fab on the one, the only case Keenum, because of course I need my backup quarterback. It's super flex. No one's on the waiver wire. I win case Keenum. A couple hours later, I learned case Keenum has COVID as well and will not be playing. So then I think, oh, I'll just pick up Nick Mullins. Wait, no, I can't. That game is on Saturday. I am just in purgatory, but the game has been moved. I will now have to (laughs) pony up once again, throw some more fab down for Nick Mullins. So this is just the, the endless revolving door of wasting fab. And I feel like that's just like a great metaphor for how everyone's feeling about this week in general. This week is nuts. I am still excited about my Scott Fishbowl team, Josh. I'm waiting to get hit. I am like Keanu Reeves in the Matrix. We're rolling with Murray and Stafford. Cooper Cup is still vertical. Jonathan Taylor. DK Metcalf is avoiding COVID in Seattle. Yet Tyler Lockett isn't. I just feel like it's a matter of time. But you brought you brought up a great point. The shorter slate makes a huge difference because there's going to be Less opportunity, more variation because you're reducing the numbers, putting a higher importance on getting the targets and the fades right. And as always, folks, don't forget, if you're going to play fantasy football, you're going to do it on Underdog Fantasy. Promo code UNDERWORLD. Get 100% bonus up to $100 matched. Promo code UNDERWORLD. Underdog Fantasy has been our co-pilot here in the Big Tilt all season long. Josh, we got some cool things coming up on the site, don't we? We always do, every week. Yeah, we do. So on the underdog fantasy front, go to playerprofiler.com. Check out my player prop strategy article. It's tailored specifically to those underdog fantasy parlays. 
it's help. It's basically me detailing strategies I've used to become profitable this year. I was not profitable last year at player props. I put in a hundred dollars on a different site, lost that hundred dollars within, I think five weeks. It was embarrassing. And I was like, Oh, never again. So I put in a ton of research this year. I've been profitable this year and I help you understand some strategies that are mathematically designed to beat the odds in the long run. Also with underdog, if you want to draft right now, good news, you can draft right now in underdog. They have the gauntlet. It is set up for the, not the fantasy football, but the NFL playoffs. It's a $25 entry and I've got a little strategy for you. So obviously you're going to want to do some stacking. There's very few teams that make the playoffs. There's very few teams that move on through the playoffs. So obviously if in a perfect world, two teams that play wildcard weekend end up playing in the Super Bowl and that you chose each of those teams correctly in your draft where maybe uh, turns out, uh, I don't know, Rams and the Chiefs, neither gets the first round by and they both end up going to the Super Bowl and you have Stafford Cup and Mahomes Hill that's phenomenal. But we actually have to do the draft. We have to have some type of strategy that hopefully sets us up for something like that. The strategy that I prefer is you target a team like the Rams, the Packers, the Chiefs, the Buccaneers, a team that is just really loaded and looks like they're pretty obvious Super Bowl contenders, where also the quarterback and the best receivers go early. Stack them up in the first few rounds and then I love the Ravens as a secondary target. Lamar, Hollywood, Andrews, Bateman, they all go towards the end of the draft. So you can target one of those super teams, stack them up early, and then pivot and grab some Baltimore guys. And this is a good way to get two teams heavily stacked where not a lot of people love Baltimore. I don't know why. They have a good record. It's not like Lamar is out for the season. They're going to be in the playoffs. Josh, they confuse on-field success with DFS success. Because Lamar Jackson has six interceptions in his last three or four games, it doesn't matter. That's the problem is people have this addiction to wanting to buy into to recency bias when they've seen, they've seen success. What you want to do is take a leap on a player who maybe hasn't played well. That's the problem. They don't want to do it. Yeah, another team that I like is the Niners. It seems like they're probably making the playoffs and no one seems to want the Niners right now. And I mean, sure, less likely that this team kills it in the playoffs. However, in these tournaments where the money is super top heavy, you're already chasing this small, uh, this kind of narrow outcome. You might as well just bet on a team like the Ravens, bet on the Niners and say, hey, yeah, this isn't the the best of contenders. However, what is there? Let's say there's a 5% chance that this team actually makes noise in the playoffs. Even if it's that low, it's only 5%. That is still awesome if you're one of the few teams in the tournament that heavily targets them because you can really quickly shoot up in the advancements having kind of that unique team where not a lot of people were aggressively stacking that team. And yeah, it's not even like we want a 5% outcome to really make money. You're searching for that like one, like that that top 1% outcome. So yeah, you might as well target a team like the Ravens, look at the Niners, the Bengals. 
they, they could squeak in. Like some of these fringe teams, I think at least right now, why not target them as your secondary stack and that on the off chance they get in and make noise, you are you have just this massive advantage on the rest of the field. Also turning to DFS, we have new DFS dominator updates for our optimizer. Starting this week, you can set your stack minimum and maximum. So maybe I'm rolling with Josh Allen. And you know what? (laughs) I think the Bills are going to put up 45 points against the Panthers. Great. You could set two to three for your stacks with Allen saying, I either want double or triple stacks. Optimizer. Just load up Bills. Or maybe you want a quarterback naked and you say, oh, I think this guy's going to rush for a couple touchdowns. I'm going to set the stack between zero and one or just zero. And this kind of control is brand new for this week. You can also do the same with runbacks. You can say, oh, I want zero or one runback. I always want one runback. I want one to two runbacks. That is all now available for you. You can also include and exclude running backs and tight ends from stacks. So if you're stacking Josh Allen, you probably aren't heavily targeting the Bills running backs. In fact, you might want to just say, hey, optimizer, exclude running backs from the stack. And now if you want a Josh Allen double stack, Singletary, Moss, Brita, I mean, who wants to figure out that backfield right now? Doesn't matter. You just tell the optimizer, get rid of those guys and they they will just not show up. So these are all brand new features to add to all the features that we currently have. You're going to have to check it out this weekend. Like we said, every week, it just gets better and better. There's some change every week. Josh gave me a behind-the-scenes look. It's incredible, making it easier for you to bring in more variables. And the more variables, the more you tailor your lineup to what you want, the more likely you are to win. Josh, the chalk. The people want the chalk. Let's give them the chalk place here from our research Starting on DraftKings at quarterback, Tua, Kyler, Dak, and Josh Allen. Looks like Allen is out of the boot and he is going to play. So he, of course, of course returns to chalk. FanDuel, Kyler, Allen, and Dak look like the only chalk plays there. Running back and wide receiver. Most important, Mr. Larky, what do we got? So DraftKings, we have the most expensive player on the, on the, the out of the running backs. He's also chalk. It's Najee Harris. There's just, it's a thin slate. There's not a lot of great plays, so... Najee Harris looks like he's going to be pretty big chalk. Saquon as well. James Conner against uh, the Lions. Michael Carter is returning for this week. He's chalky. Uh, James Robinson. I mean, no more Urban Meyer. We'll see what goes on there. Carlos Hyde concussed. And then I will say, I don't think this is good chalk. Aaron Jones. I mean, my goodness. We'll we'll talk about this potential timeshare in a little bit, but little surprise there on FanDuel. It's Najee, Carter, Saquon, Jones, James Robinson as well. Also, Ezekiel Elliott, another kind of surprising one. And then Cordero Patterson, receiver on DraftKings. I mean, you probably knew this was coming. It's Devontae Parker, Jalen Waddell out with COVID. Sterling Shepard, kind of a surprise to see that he's going to be pretty popular this week after the dud last week. But you know how we feel about Shepard, target magnet. Stephon Diggs, Christian Kirk, remember, no Hopkins, Brandon Cooks, Gabe Davis, remember, no, no Emmanuel Sanders, a lot of injuries and COVID to deal with, Deontay Johnson, Cole Beasley, Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, grossly mispriced, and then Devontae Adams. And on FanDuel, 
A lot of the same characters, Adams, Deontay, Kirk, Diggs, Julio, Parker. Also add in C.D. Lamb and add in Debo. Pass it off to you for tight end and defense. We're still sticking with James O'Shaughnessy, and the public is as well on DraftKings. Mike Gusecki in a primo matchup against the Jets. George Kittle, if he's vertical, you're playing him, and a lot of people are. He is the chalk on DraftKings as well. FanDuel, Kyle Pitts, Zach Ertz still hit some nice overprops there. Even though it was, it was a lower prop on the last game, he did make a lot of catches there. Becomes a nice safety valve if Kyler is playing from behind and Kittle as well. Defense on DraftKings, the Bills versus Carolina. Josh and I both like Buffalo in this game to hang a number. Dolphins there versus the Jets. FanDuel, Cardinals at Detroit there on the road, but don't have any fear. Dolphins versus the Jets. Dallas versus the Giants in the NFC rivalry matchup. So that is your chalk. Less games today, folks, so we're going to get into it right now. Green Bay at Baltimore. Packers favored by four and a half. It went up to five for a while. 43 and a half over under. A lot of interesting storylines. A banged up Ravens secondary. I think we're playing Cody Carpentier in the secondary for the Ravens. Going up against Rodgers and Adams. Devontae Freeman turning back the clock here as what is, dare I say, a bell cow for the Ravens. And, of course, Marquise Brown. Is Lamar going to play? How effective will he be? We've seen already that Kyler Murray struggles when he can't run. What will Lamar do? But break it down here. Packers-Ravens, our first game, probably the headline game between two of the best teams. So I put this game first in the show sheet just because it's not a great game, low over-under. But I think that there's two viable quarterbacks in this game. I'm not quite sure I can say that about any other game having two viable DFS quarterbacks. Before we get into the stacks, Let's talk Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon and why Aaron Jones is falling precipitously in my rest of season rankings and why I don't think Aaron Jones is just such a smash play. It's because there's a timeshare. Let's look at week 14. Remember, Aaron Jones, it's, it wasn't even his first week back from injury. So this is Aaron Jones a few weeks in. He's already reacclimated to the offense. Here's how it broke down against the Bears. Aaron Jones had 31 snaps. A.J. Dillon, 32. Jones had five carries. Dillon had 15 carries. Jones ran 15 routes and had three targets. A.J. Dillon, only seven routes, no targets. Notice a little receiving edge to Jones and the carries edge to Dillon. Yes, Aaron Jones got in the end zone with a rushing and a receiving touchdown. He had the fantasy points. However, if I'm looking at raw usage, I would even lean Dylan for that last game. So when I see that Aaron Jones is much more expensive and projects to be uh, much more popular, my inclination is to actually say, if you're choosing a Packers running back, I mean, it's pretty wild to see them within $1,000 of each other and then go, I'm going AJ Dylan. But let me tell you, I think I'm starting to lean AJ Dylan when it comes to stacks. I... I have completely, we've done the 180, Aaron Rodgers, our new, our new savior, just perfect for double stacks because I know slow pace, he's not very mobile, but Tunyon out for the year, Cobb out for the year. Suddenly it's basically Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And it's very hard for Rodgers to hit without Adams hitting. So I feel like this, this double stack kind of falls in your lap. Rodgers, Adams, Lazard, Rodgers, Adams, MVS. And right there, you already have three of nine. One third of your lineup is already filled out. 
And you know that if Rodgers hits, good chance either Adams and Lazard hit or Adams and MVS hits. The Baltimore secondary, like you mentioned, it's super banged up. And just anyway, on the season, Baltimore's the fourth best run D, according to DVOA, yet they're near the bottom for pass defense. This really has the feeling of Rodgers doing exactly what he feels like against one of, I think at this point, it's got to be a bottom three secondary in the NFL, taking into account the injuries. On the other side, I actually have Tyler Huntley projected in at quarterback right now. It's still a little bit up in the air. I think either way, if Lamar plays, you're probably going to want to play a little Lamar, but Tyler Huntley, pretty appealing. 5,400 DraftKings, 6,400 FanDuel. Prefer him on DraftKings just because of how inexpensive he is there. And one thing that we often see with the backup quarterbacks, they're usually not good at the hardest part of being a quarterback. That's why they're a backup. And the hardest part of being a quarterback is often hitting the deep throw. Marquise Brown didn't play very well for fantasy in this past game with Huntley. And I, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think these inferior quarterbacks, they often struggle with the higher dot receivers. And I would lean Bateman and Andrews for Rodgers runbacks or if you're going with a Huntley single or double stack, I think Bateman and Andrews are your better candidates. Not to say that you should full fade Brown, but much uh, if you're making, I don't know, let's say you make 15 Huntley lineups, maybe Brown's only in three to five of them. And another reason to go with this game is that I think there are just like kind of like that clear double stack on both sides. Increased correlation, not a lot of high scoring games this weekend. You want to get things right. So go with more correlation that way. If Rodgers or if a Huntley hits, you generally know which player or players are going to hit with them. Yeah, that's the key, folks. Don't worry so much about the matchup. Don't worry about home or away. If you believe that the Packers are going to put up some points, then you know it's going to be Devontae Adams. It could be Lazard. It could be MVS. But that's it. It is a consolidated target share with one of the most prolific passers we've seen in our era. Sometimes it is just that simple. Jets and Dolphins, always fun, Josh. Legendary games. Dolphins favored by nine and a half. Now it's down to a 41-point over-under. But even though that number is low, Josh and I think there's some stacking value here. We understand you go by the high-scoring games, but don't overlook the efficiency of Tua Tagovailoa the last few weeks and the limited options. No Jalen Waddle in this game, of course, but that doesn't mean they should avoid it, Josh, does it? Yeah, I, I think with this game, we kind of have, just like with the last game where it's like, we're looking for these double stacks. We're trying to get things right without having to do as much work. I like Tua with two of Gaskin, Gasicki, and Parker. You keep it simple. I think if you're feeling frisky, you can throw in Albert Wilson and say, hey, maybe he's playing a little bit of this Jalen Waddle role and getting some of these slot targets. But I don't even need to think you over, feel like you need to overthink it. We know Gaskin's a workhorse. He's used in all phases of the game. And he's still just being disrespected. I constantly have to stick up for him on Twitter, on podcasts. People do not like Miles Gaskin. He doesn't have draft capital. He's a dynasty sell. What are you doing with Miles Gaskin? I'm sorry I like the guy who has three top 10 weekly running back finishes already this year, who's quietly number 10 in the NFL among running backs in total red zone touches, and number 11 in weighted opportunities, which is taking carries and targets and trying to translate them to expected fantasy points. Miles Gaskin is a total workhorse, if not a kind of like a 
a baby bell cow. And with Tua, I like stacking Gaskin with him because Gaskin, he's probably going to be popular. He just came off the COVID list. He might end up being chalk when all is said and done. He's facing the Jets, dreadful defense in general, but especially against running backs. But how do you get around that? How do I put Gaskin in my lineup without the whole world also putting Gaskin in their lineup? Well, put him in with Tua. We've seen multiple high target games from Gaskin. He's had receiving touchdowns on the season. So I think that he is a viable stack partner. And I think they're just going to shred the Jets. And if you want to run back, I mean, we could go back to Crowder, who just didn't quite have the role we thought he would have. Last game, it was like kind of Berrios. It was just really gross. Crowder, not even that cheap right now. 5,000 DraftKings, 5,700 FanDuel. I think the, the better play is if you're running it back at all, Michael Carter. He's back. He's only 4,700 on DraftKings. Just grossly mispriced there. Great value. 5,900 FanDuel, still palatable, but especially, I mean, on DraftKings, you can even do, no one else is going to do this, the double running back. You can go Tua, Gaskin, Michael Carter, and then one of Parker or Gesicki. And you're actually able to play a lot of really popular guys on the slate in a way that almost nobody else will do. Carolina Buffalo, Buffalo favored by 10 and a half, coming off of two tough games, Patriots and Tampa Bay back-to-back, almost pulled that game out in the second half. Carolina, Josh, to me, seems like it's just going in the wrong direction. They're giving up 29 and a half points the last four games, and defense used to be what they can hang their hat on. The quarterback situation is a disaster. Cam Newton certainly can't throw. P.J. Walker's not much better either. They're not running the ball. They just look like a train wreck, and they're going up to Buffalo here and an angry Bills team that has to get this game because they want to keep pace. So 43 and a half over under 10 and a half. What do you got? Yeah, we, I think we both kind of agree. I think the, the Bills are going to just smash the Panthers. Panthers are playing for nothing. We have this weird situation where Cam Newton's the quarterback until it's the two-minute offense, and then P.J. Walker comes in. Even though it's not even like P.J. Walker is good in the two-minute offense, he's just the only one of the two, apparently, that knows it. I don't know what's going on here. It's just dreadful, terrible offensive line. The defense is struggling. It would not surprise me if Buffalo ends up winning by three touchdowns when all is said and done. Agreed. And I think for this one, Josh Allen has to be double-stacked. He's going to have a field day against this Panthers defense that's already been struggling. Manuel Sanders, currently what I'm seeing is he's doubtful. I don't think he's going to play. Bills will be making the playoffs most likely. No need to press your mid-30s veteran receiver into action when he's not ready. And I like Diggs, Beasley, Gabe Davis, Dawson Knox. You keep it simple. Hit the exclude button for running back stacks when using Josh Allen with our optimizer. And you just have two of those with Allen. You don't even need to run it back. If you run it back, I think my favorite, I mean, there's no great looking Panthers right now for runbacks, but I think my my favorite would be Amir Abdullah. Wow. He's only 4,400 on DraftKings, 4,900 FanDuel. He's the kind of player that could really benefit from really negative game script. At this point, we know Chuba, not much of a, of a receiving role. And I the, this Bill's defense is really good. So I'm, I'm not even looking at like which guy I think is going to have the massive yardage day or the touchdowns. I think with Abdullah, you're just saying, hey, this guy could get nine or 10 targets in terrible game script and he's super cheap and it helps you pay up if you want to go Allen, Diggs, Knox or something like that. 
I think DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, you can run it back with them as well. But I think my favorite would just be Josh Allen double stack and then uh, throw in a couple correlated players from a different game. The next one is just so laughable. Tennessee and Pittsburgh. The Steelers home. The line has dropped now. I believe it's only Pittsburgh getting one. It was Tennessee favored by two and a half, I think, for most of the week. 41 and a half point over under. The Steelers can't do much the last few weeks until they get buried, and then they start coming back, and Ben starts hitting Deontay Johnson. Najee Harris is in a smash spot, but he is certainly expensive, so I want to get your thoughts on him. And Tennessee is struggling. No A.J. Brown, no Derrick Henry. Julio Jones came back. Last two losses, only 13 points scored by Tennessee. Last week, 20-0 against Jacksonville with a dead man walking coach. I don't think you can draw anything off of that. But Pittsburgh, yet again an underdog, in December at home, usually a lucrative play. What do you think here about DFS, Josh? So you, I think you kind of summed it up with the Titans. This is, this offense is just, it's pretty horrific for DFS. How, how are you going to stack Tannehill? What are you going to Tannehill Julio and just cross your fingers that Julio has the massive game? You're going to throw in a Nick Westbrook Kine? It's truly ugly. I posted on Twitter about this, that the, the running back room is just a total timeshare in that Deonta Foreman is the one getting goal line carries and the early down work in that if any of the three have a big day at this point, it's probably him. McNichols and Hilliard basically split everything down the middle. If anything, maybe a slight edge even to McNichols. Hilliard's done. He had a great couple game run. McNichols is back. They're basically just splitting work at this point. And I think Tennessee is just trying to stay healthy until the playoffs happen. I think the, the real way to play this game is I like big Ben Roethlisberger again. I said this two weeks ago. I was like, Roethlisberger's 5K. Let's play him in DFS. We know if he hits who the stacking partners are. He didn't hit two weeks ago. So, of course, when he's not on the main slate last week, he absolutely smashes in comeback mode against the Vikings. But that is what I was talking about, that at this point, Roethlisberger's so cheap and it's so consolidated because you don't have Juju. There's no real wide receiver three of consequence. And I like Deontay, Najee, Claypool, Fryermuth, pick two with Big Ben. I think the run back is either Deonta Foreman or Julio or nobody. It's just really hard for me to see Tennessee putting up a lot of points, A, and then B, putting up efficient points to really sustain some big shootout. I think it's probably going to be lower scoring and that fortunately Pittsburgh's consolidated enough that if we can squeak out a 20 burger from Big Ben Roethlisberger, we know who two of those guys are likely going to be. So just not a great game here, but we'll all definitely have some exposure to Roethlisberger in this one. Surprised on the over-under on this next one. 47.5 points, Arizona-Detroit. One of the highest over-unders that we have on the slate here, especially on a limited Sunday. Arizona at Detroit, it was 13.5. It's down to 12.5. Maybe people think Detroit's going to rally. TJ Hawkinson out for the year. Absolute killer. I don't think Swift is back yet, but they are home against Arizona, who wants to run the ball. The question is, do they have enough healthy running backs? James Conner, hopefully okay. And no DeAndre Hopkins. They have to adjust, although I can argue, Josh, they haven't had him for quite some time because he's been a shell of himself (laughs) on the field. Arizona at Detroit, 47.5 points. Arizona by 12.5. What do you got? So James Conner's going to be a really popular play this week. And I don't think he's a great play. He's pretty expensive. 6,400 DraftKings, 8,000 FanDuel. Look, I know it's the Lions, but 
He got banged up on the final, or it was either the final or the second to last play of last week. It's a short week as well for the Cardinals since they played on Monday night. And Chase Edmonds, according to Cliff Kingsbury, will be returning for this game. So we're going to have the the running back timeshare. Pretty hard to see the massive ceiling for James Conner in this one. And it's not even clear how many touches they're going to want to give the guy who just got banged up on Monday night anyway. I really think the way to play this is to have some Kyler Murray stacks. Like you said, it's not like Hopkins has been doing all that much this year, but with him out, we do have that 20% target share likely getting distributed to a pretty consolidated bunch. I think Christian Kirk is pretty good chalk. I think he's just in a smash spot where he's been playing well all year. AJ Green heating up at the right time as well. I think Kirk Green is kind of a fun double stack. You can throw Ertz in there as well. Rondell Moore, I still think, is kind of a fringe play. It sucks to say it because he's so fun to watch, but he just hasn't really had the consistent usage. He had that one big game early in the season where there was a blown coverage and he basically housed one. But it seems like ever since that 20-point week, I think it was week two or week three of the season, it's just been disappointment since then. I kind of want to wait and see if there's a role change with no Hopkins because like Hopkins, like you said, Hopkins hasn't even been that great this year. And Rondale's played pretty sparingly, very limited route tree. So I think you're going to want to play some Kyler just because it's a high over under. And it's probably because everyone just thinks the Cardinals are going to pile up points. I think Kyler's basically going to just have his pick at who he's throwing to. On the Lions side, there's two guys that jump out to me. Obviously, Jamal Williams, especially on DraftKings when he's 5,300 as the pass-catching workhorse, seems like he's returning. Swift has just been ruled out. I think Jamal Williams an okay volume play. However, my preferred option is Amon Ross St. Brown. 5,200 DraftKings, 5,900 FanDuel, decent price on both platforms. And... If Hawkinson and or Swift are out, which has happened the past two weeks, Amon Ra looks like they're, they're really trying to figure out what they have in the rookie. He's been stepping up 12 targets in back-to-back games. At this point, it seems like it is not Josh Reynolds. It is Amon Ra St. Brown, who is the volume receiver, the clear young rookie that they're trying to get more involved. So he is my favorite run back with these Kyler stacks. That's why you do the work in the preseason, folks, and you listen to us. We did our draft show. Remember that, Josh? We did the live NFL draft show because you never know when these players are going to pop at the end of the year. Dallas and the Giants. Dallas favored by 10.5 on the road against the Giants, 44.5 over under. Good luck trying to figure out the Cowboys' offense. I mean, CeeDee Lamb, we all loved him earlier in the year. Started off with 15 targets, 7 receptions, 104 receiving yards, and a touchdown in Week 1. And since then, it's been very helter-skelter. He has oscillated. Wide receiver 67, wide receiver 3, wide receiver 72, wide receiver 12, wide receiver 32. But there is volume here. There's a prolific quarterback in Dak Wilson. You have Zeke in the backfield, no Tony Pollard, going against the Giant team. Don't know who the quarterback is. Saquon Barkley still getting the touches, just not producing. I don't know. Is there a diamond in the rough here, Josh? Dallas and Giants? So I think Ezekiel Elliott being popular, at least on FanDuel, is kind of a gift to us. The guy hasn't looked healthy. They've been saying for multiple weeks he's fully healthy. He's practicing in full. And then you watch one game day. I'm not even a big film guy, but I mean, I can spot someone who's running like I run on game day. That is Ezekiel (laughs) Elliott. This 
this man does not look like uh like the 99th percentile athlete that I was sold. He looks like the like the end of career super dusty running back that you want to avoid. And I think he's going to be fine next year, but right now it's clear he's still playing hurt. I don't even know why why is he practicing in full right now? This guy should be resting because every single game day at this point they say, "Oh, he's a full go." And then he gets half the carries and looks lethargic out on the field. I think the way to play this is Dak with two of the receivers. And as a run back, I mean, Shepard, Galladay, Saquon, I think it's just kind of one of those guys. Or no run back. Looks like Tony has COVID. So Kadarius Tony once again, will not be playing. Just been a really up and down rookie year for him. So I think with Dak... Uh, at least on DraftKings, I prefer Amari Cooper. His salary is just so much lower than Lamb. Their salaries are nearly identical, actually, on FanDuel. They're within $400 on FanDuel, $1,000 apart on DraftKings. So I like Cooper on DraftKings, where I don't see much of a difference with him and Lamb at this point. Just give me the guy who's 1000 cheaper when it doesn't look like Lamb necessarily has this astronomical ceiling right now. Another point is that Dak, since... He had that calf strain, has not been playing as well. So there's just a lot going on in this Dallas offense where it's just not necessarily as appealing an offense to stack each week. However, because it's a rough slate, you're probably going to want to have some Dak stacks just because even if Dak goes for 20 fantasy points, Cooper gives you 20 and like a Gallup at 5,500 gives you 17 fantasy points. That right there could take down a tournament with this type of slate. Atlanta at San Francisco, Atlanta hanging around, hanging around in the playoff chase here. Line opened at San Francisco minus seven and a half. It is now San Francisco minus nine and a half money pouring in on the Niners open at 47 and a half over under it's at 46 and a half. Debo Samuel will not catch passes, but continues to produce Jimmy G. I touted all year long as a guy you may want to plug into seasonal leagues two quarterback leagues as you get to the end of the year, because such an easy, easy schedule Atlanta's there. The question is, who's going to produce? Russell Gage, we talked about last week. Running backs, Mike Davis is actually starting to get going, Josh. I don't know if you like him, but the Falcons and the Niners in one of the higher games here on a limited Sunday slate. Yeah, it's actually unfortunate that Mike Davis is going at least for DFS because Patterson had this insane role to open up the season. And I actually uh, was talking about it on a Twitter thread that I did recently where if you look at the last four weeks, Cordell Patterson's basically been their grinder running back. And then Davis has gotten the pass catching work. It's not the role that you want for Patterson. And I think some people look and it's why on FanDuel, he's chalked. People go, oh, look, Patterson, he's had some rushing touchdowns. Look, he's getting 15 carries a game. No, no, no. no. I would much rather Patterson getting his six to eight targets a game at a pretty high A dot for a running back would greatly prefer that over a grinder back in a well-below-average offense. Patterson is playable. However, definitely not the type of role that I like. I always hate when I look at my running back and his usage and go, you know, probably need two touchdowns from this guy to hit. I'd much rather say, you know what, given the usage, if he gets a touchdown, he gets there in DFS. Patterson at this point probably needs two touchdowns to really make a difference in your lineup. Russell Gage, better on DraftKings because he's a volume receiver. I think kind of same with Pitts. This whole Falcons offense is really, really struggling in terms of the touchdowns. Matt Ryan is basically 
just not throwing passing touchdowns anymore. They're very run heavy in the red zone. They don't even get to the red zone very often. Really, really tough with the Falcons. I think the way to play this game would be with Jimmy G. Like you said, he's actually, Jimmy G's playing all right. And I think that we kind of have this sneaky gift with Debo Samuel, who is very expensive. Probably a lot of people are going to play him because he's had so many fantasy points, but his role is not very good right now. You don't want running back Debo Samuel. I know it's very fun, but if you're getting eight yards of carry from Debo Samuel, which the efficiency probably won't last, but wow, eight yards of carry. If we're on DraftKings, that is less than one fantasy point if he rushes for eight yards. If he has a reception for even like three yards, that would be 1.3 fantasy points. On the PPR, the half PPR platforms, we want actual receptions from our receivers. We don't want them getting the 5 to 10% target share with a ton of carries. So I naturally am preferring at this point Kittle and Ayuk. And I think if you're double stacking Jimmy, it should be with Kittle and Ayuk. Jeff Wilson, kind of palatable. He's still really inexpensive on both platforms, but with Debo getting so much run game work, it's not even like Jeff Wilson's getting all the carries. He's not very involved in the the pass game at this point. So I think it's kind of a simple, I like Jimmy with Ayuk and Kittle. And then if I'm running it back, Patterson, Gage, or Pitts, I think you go one of those three. The preference is still Patterson just because he has been the guy getting the red zone touches and there's just not a lot of good running back plays on the slate, but still just not a stack that I feel great about outside of knowing that Jimmy, Ayuk, and Kittle, there's probably going to be a lot of targets there. I thought I'd get a funny note on the show sheet on this next one. Houston at Jacksonville. Urban Meyer is worth negative two to a line. At least we've determined that because Jacksonville favored by three. Meyer gets fired. Now it's Jacksonville favored by five, five and a half in some places. 39 and a half points. I guess you're going to tell me it's free James Robinson time. Volume is there. One of the few guys who always produced last two years when he gets the volume. So that's going to be my guess. But Brandon Cooks, we have Davis Mills, of course. Figure out the backfield. Good luck. Just an ugly game, but doesn't mean it doesn't have value. Yeah, this is a very interesting game. So I know that some people are going to be excited. They're like, oh, you got to play some Jacksonville receivers. Their offense is opening up. There's no more Urban Meyer. Okay, let's pump the brakes on this Jacksonville offense overall. They have one passing touchdown in the past six weeks. I mean, no matter how bad Urban Meyer is, you can't convince me that this would be a prolific passing offense, that he somehow managed to to hamstring and only let them have one passing touchdown in the past six weeks. This is not a good offense overall. And I don't think people realize this. The, the Houston Texans secondary, they... The pass D has been fine, if not really good this year. Number six in DVOA against the pass, yet they're towards the bottom in pretty much every run defense metric. Carlos Hyde ruled out due to the concussion. Really like James Robinson. I know he's going to be a very popular play, but I mean, come on. James Robinson at 5,400? If you're showing me a 5,400 guy and saying it's a bad running back slate and he has 20 plus fantasy point upside and he's not the most chalky running back, I'm going to be playing a lot of James Robinson. On the other side, I think the Davis Mills stacks just might be okay on DraftKings. 
because Davis Mills is only 5,400 on that platform. You have Brandon Cooks, who's kind of a, a PPR volume receiver, 5,800 DraftKings. Brandon Cooks at 6,900 on FanDuel. That is not a good price. Greatly prefer him on DraftKings. Just hard to see him getting there on FanDuel, honestly. Hard to see two touchdowns out of him. So I think Davis Mills with Cooks. You could even throw in Nico Collins, who quietly had 10 targets yeah, yep, last week. Yep. Brevin Jordan's role has been expanding. We'll see if he plays. He has a hand injury, but I think the, the very fun budget stack, if Brevin Jordan plays, is you say, I'm going to fade the Brandon Cooks chalk, and you go, and I'm actually going to have a couple lineups like this. You go Mills, Nico Collins, Brevin Jordan, and say, hey, we can actually scrounge up 50 fantasy points out of these three. And now I can just grab all the studs in each matchup and go, give me a Najee Harris. Give me the Devontae Adams, Mark Andrews correlation. And you can kind of quietly build a decent lineup that way. So I think that's kind of the the sneaky way to play this game. But I do not think there's some magic bean out there that's going to help Treadwell, Chanel, and Marvin Jones find the end zone multiple times in this contest. Oh, Chanel, so frustrating. I mean, honestly, somebody please light a fire under this team. Maybe it'll be Darren Bevel. Who knows? Last game here, Cincinnati at Denver. Denver favored by three, 44 points. You know, Cincinnati is one of these teams that if you look at DVOA, they are much worse than their record. I have been fading them the last few weeks, just waiting for the wheels to fall off, and it certainly did against the Chargers. And I, I like this team. I like the offense for fantasy. I just don't know how effective they can be here. They're going to go on a road against Denver, but there are certainly pieces. And remember, there's a difference between success in fantasy and success on the field. Their DVOA may not be good, Josh, but their offense certainly is. Yeah, it's one of the the big conundrums where the fantasy community loves the Bengals. But if you actually look at the advanced real, just straight up football metrics, not necessarily the best team. However, we're playing fantasy, fortunately, so we're allowed to dabble with some Joe Burrow. And I think this game, it's pretty easy to play because, I mean, at this point, Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams are both playing so well. And Teddy's playing so poorly that it just doesn't seem like Denver wants to throw the ball much. And that's good for us with DFS where we can say, hey, Teddy Bridgewater, probably not going to be a large factor, if any, in my player pool. Cortland Sutton getting no targets at this point. Jerry Judy, no ceiling. Noah Fant, no ceiling. Tim Patrick, no ceiling. I mean, Albert Okui Boonham, I believe, was their highest scoring pass catcher for fantasy last week or two weeks ago. Like it. You're, you're basically just crossing your fingers and hoping for 15 fantasy points out of one of these guys. And that just doesn't cut it in DFS. I think the way to play this game is Burrow Chase Higgins and run it back with Javante or Melvin Gordon and hope that guy finds the end zone once or twice. This past week, Chase, eight targets, 120 air yards. Higgins, seven targets, 113 air yards. Higgins had 14 targets and 179 air yards in week 13. Chase dropped that like 70, 80 yard touchdown in week 13. That also would have gotten him there in DFS. Uh, Tyler Boyd's just not a big DFS factor. He's had more than 80 air yards in one game all season. And his only good fantasy game with Chase and Higgins healthy was week eight. He went five for 69 and one versus the Jets. Boyd, just not a great DFS option. I like Burrow, Chase, Higgins. Keep it simple. Follow the targets and the air yards. If you try to fill out a DFS lineup without the law firm 
of Burrow, Chase, and Higgins. Get ready to see Wilfred Brimley, a.k.a. Bill DeVasher, DFS Security, making a visit to your house. If you try to fill out a DFS lineup without the law firm of Burrow, Chase, and Higgins, get ready to see Wilfred Brimley, a.k.a. Bill DeVasher, DFS Security, making a visit to your house. Parker's been pretty good when, when he's played, so I would think that he, he came back last week. He should be okay. I, I think Buffalo is going to hang a huge number in Carolina, just like Kansas City last week. I, I yeah, that's my gonna... favorite stack would just be something, especially with Sanders out, because now it's like Davis gets the boost. He's pretty cheap, so it just makes it a little more affordable to double stack Allen. Yep. I don't even know if you need to run it back, honestly. Like. It's it's gonna be such a gross game. Like, what's the spread? Like, it minus ten and a half. I th- I think I'm. I'll probably put some. I'd probably put money on Buffalo. I was gonna say I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. I assume that it, if if I understood the joke, I'd find it very funny. <laughs> Wilford Brimley, the movie The Firm with Tom Cruise in the '90s, uh, very popular became like a big social media thing. Mm-hmm. Wilfred Brimley was firm security, law firm security. I mean, a fat mm-hmm. old man with glasses, right? It's kind of a joke. Okay. And he like was a mercenary. So if you were a lawyer and you tried to leave this firm because you had so many secrets, he would kill you. So mm-hmm. Bill DeVasher, firm security, it was a spinoff to Seinfeld. He became like a character in Seinfeld, like he was securing the mail on Newman. Just became a big, big deal. I'm going to edit out my cup dropping at one point. I'll just I'll just make that silent. You don't have to worry about when does the cup just topple over. He's a dynasty cell. What are you doing with Miles Gaskin?